I am sitting in lovely Siesta Key, Florida. I'm coming from Bangkok in Thailand. Prague in the Czech Republic. Cairo in Egypt. Auckland, New Zealand. London, England. Welcome to Career View Mirror, the automotive podcast that goes behind the scenes with key players in the industry, looking back over their careers so far, sharing insights to help you with your own journey. I'm your host, Andy Follows. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this Side Mirror episode of Career View Mirror. If you're a regular listener, thank you and welcome back. You'll be aware that most of our episodes feature interviews with people with a link to the automotive industry who kindly share their life and career journeys with us. We celebrate their careers, listen to their stories and learn from their experiences. From time to time, we also publish these Side Mirror episodes, which are usually an opportunity for me to share some content with you related to careers or developing ourselves or people we lead, parent or mentor that I hope you'll find valuable. Let me take a moment to tell you about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Ask Consulting, who are experts in executive search, resourcing solutions and talent management across all sectors of the automotive industry in the UK and Europe. I've known them for almost 20 years and I can think of no more fitting sponsor for Careerview Mirror. They're the business we go to at Aquali when we're looking for talent for our clients and for projects that we're working on. Ask was founded by Andrew McMillan, whose own automotive career includes board-level positions with car brands and leasing companies. All Ask consultants have extensive client-side experience, which means they bring valuable insight and perspective for both their employer and candidate customers. My earliest experience of working with Andrew was back in 2004 when he helped me hire regional managers for my leasing sales team at Alphabet. More recently, when Aqualai was helping a US client to establish a car subscription business, Ask Consulting was alongside us, helping us to develop our people strategy and to identify and bring on board suitable talent. Clients we've referred to Ask have had an equally positive experience. Andrew and the team at Ask are genuinely interested in the long-term outcomes for you and the people they place with you. They even offer the reassurance of a two-year performance guarantee, which means they have skin in the game when working with you. If you're keen to secure the most talented and high potential people to accelerate your business and gain competitive advantage, do get in touch with them and let them know I sent you. You can email Andrew and the team at hello at askconsulting.co.uk or check out their website for more details and more client feedback at www.askconsulting.co.uk. Ask is spelt A-S-K-E. You'll find these contact details in the show notes for this episode. OK, let's get back to our episode. A few years ago, when we lived in New Zealand, I was driving my daughter to school. She was getting quite emotional as she started telling me the latest drama from her teenage life. And I, wanting to help, began to tell her exactly what she should do. She stopped me and said, Dad, I think now would be a good time for some empathic listening. I love this story because it proves that I had managed to teach my kids some of the concepts and tools from the seven habits of highly effective people like empathic listening. And at the same time, it demonstrates that I don't always remember to use them myself and need to be reminded. 
what Hannah needed right then was not some potential solutions from me or a chapter from my autobiography about when a similar thing happened to me and how I dealt with it. She knew what she needed was what we call empathic listening. She needed to be able to talk, to express her feelings, to feel heard, and most importantly, to feel understood. This side mirror is about listening. Specifically, it's about empathic listening, which is a powerful technique to employ when emotions are running high for someone you want to help. I'll share a few thoughts on how and why we might typically prioritise becoming a better speaker over becoming a better listener. I'll ask you to consider how much formal training and practice you've had at listening and whether you could use some more. I'll mention my own experiences being taught and practising to be a better listener. I'll drop a hint about how rewarding it's been for me to practice listening effectively to my customers and colleagues and managers over the years. I'll give you some tips on how to practice empathic listening when someone is talking with a lot of feeling. Then I'll encourage you to give this approach a try if it's new to you. If you're thinking, no, this episode's not for me. I've been listening to people for years. I know what I'm doing. Please hold on a little longer. If we do experience reluctance to engage with any of the content in our Towards Fulfilling Performance programme, it's most likely to be around the topic of listening. I guess we've all been listening for so long now that we really do imagine we know what we're doing. And that's a shame because it's also a module that offers significant potential benefits, not least to the quality of our relationships with people we care about the most. One of my favourite experiences is when someone decides to give the material a chance. They go home and in the space between our sessions, they practice empathic listening. Then they come back to our next session and tell the team what a revelation it was and how it helped them have a positive and productive conversation with one of their children or their partner or another family member. They become as enthusiastic and evangelical about it as an approach as I am when I first introduce it. I've been wondering why we find people reluctant to accept that they might need to be more intentional about their approach to listening. Most of us have been talking for almost as long as we've been listening, and yet we wouldn't question the idea of investing in our skills as a speaker. We recognise that just because we've managed to get by for the last X years talking with other people, that doesn't necessarily make us a great speaker. It's the same with listening. Just because we've managed to get by communicating with others doesn't make us a great listener. Being able to speak well is a valuable skill. We respect highly those people who can stand up in front of a group and talk, and we allow them to influence us and sometimes lead us. Learning public speaking is a great way to leverage your power at whatever level you are and in whatever field. People are more likely to invest in developing skills that they can appreciate the benefit of and that they accept they need. People accept that public speaking increases leverage. And I suspect there are many more people investing in speaking courses than in listening courses. I don't think we're as ready to acknowledge the benefits from becoming better listeners and the fact that we need to practice as we are to accept the benefits and our need to become better public speakers. Maybe there isn't the same motivation or perceived rewards for becoming a better listener. When we speak in public, the leverage and reach we're achieving is easy to see. The ratio is one to a few or one to many, where you're the one and the few or many, if you're successful, are your listeners. Listening is most effective when it's one to one. You can't scale it in the same way. So maybe it seems to be a less effective use of time. You're not communicating at scale but you are communicating at depth. And depending on who you're listening to, 
the return on investment from developing those listening skills and spending that hour listening intentionally and skillfully could be of equal or even significantly greater value. What if that person is your teenage daughter? And as a result of that conversation and other similar conversations, you develop a strong connection and she sees you as someone she can talk to, who will listen to understand and not simply bombard her with solutions and extracts from your autobiography. That investment earns you the opportunity to be there for her and to support and influence her positively throughout her most formative years and into adulthood and for your input to be welcomed even if you do still need the occasional reminder of what type of listening you're needed for in any given moment. It's easy to appreciate the long-term rewards from nurturing deep connection with our family members by communicating effectively. I've also found it extremely rewarding to use effective listening skills to develop deeper connections with people I work with, which is why we make a point of including modules on listening in our Towards Fulfilling Performance programme. Hopefully, You won't have too many instances where people you work with are highly emotional. When you do have such situations, you'll be glad you know how to deal with them. And some of the techniques for empathic listening are equally effective for developing connection in regular conversations. Let me share briefly why I feel sufficiently experienced and well-practiced to talk to you about listening. My first formal training that I can remember that included listening practice was almost 30 years ago during a coaching course at Rover Cars in the mid-1990s. That opened up my eyes or ears to the impact of listening deliberately and consciously. That was followed a year or so later by a leadership course that included peer-observed listening practice. As a manager, I adopted a coaching style in my interactions with team members from those early years, which brought many more opportunities to listen. When I completed the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People program in 2011, I was introduced to empathic listening. And because teaching is such a powerful way to embed learning, each time I delivered the program after that, I came to appreciate empathic listening more. In 2016, I embarked on my professional coach training that included yet more formal teaching and peer-reviewed listening. Since then, I've conducted hundreds of hours of coaching conversations and career view mirror interviews where I've been intentionally practicing my listening skills. There's a lot I'd like to share about how practicing listening has helped me as a manager and a leader and helped me to build effective relationships during my career. I'm sure we'll revisit this topic in future side mirrors. For now, let me leave you with one type of listening to practice. It's the one I started this side mirror with, empathic listening. Having empathy means that you are able to understand and share the feelings of another. You don't have to agree with the person or feel sorry for them. The objective of empathic listening is to understand and share their feelings and for them to recognise that you do. This approach is relevant when the person you're listening to is clearly speaking with some emotion. Their feelings are aroused, some event or person has got them a bit fired up and you're now on the receiving end of their thoughts and words and emotions about the situation. You may well instinctively identify that they need some support and let's assume there's someone whom you feel motivated to help. Our default reaction, dare I say particularly if we're men, is to offer solutions. We suggest what the person could do. We may be reminded of a similar event from our own autobiography and want to share with them how we dealt with it. As was the case with Hannah, this is not what they need. What they do need is some empathic listening. They need to feel listened to, and that their feelings are shared and understood. 
When we teach empathic listening in the Seven Habits programme, we use the analogy of empathic listening being similar to psychological air. If we ever found ourselves short of oxygen, there's only one thing we would want, and that would be oxygen. We're not going to process any other suggestions or stories from someone's autobiography until first we've recovered our oxygen supply. It's the same when someone's responding emotionally to a situation. Their ability to think rationally and process information and options is reduced. The most helpful thing we can do is listen with the intent that they feel understood. This feeling of being understood has a calming effect, like being reconnected to our air supply. Once they feel understood, their emotions will calm down and they'll be able to start to process their thoughts more effectively and consider their situation from a new, more rational perspective. They'll come back to being their resourceful selves and will most likely start to identify the best next steps to take by themselves without us having to make any suggestions or tell any of our own stories. If you're already well practiced in empathic listening, I'm sure you'll be nodding in agreement at this description. If you haven't experienced it, I can assure you that the first time you deliberately do this and witness its powerful effect, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's like magic. When you see a child or teenager or a distressed adult transition from being emotional to being rational and resourceful, with your only intervention being that you provided them with psychological air, you'll marvel at its effectiveness. And what's more, they'll appreciate you for your help. The conversation won't end in a heated stalemate with them resolving not to bother telling you things in future. It'll proceed to become a calm exchange. And once they've worked out for themselves what they're going to do, if necessary, you'll be able to help them fine tune their plan, ideally with some well-crafted coaching style questions. So how do you do it? The first task is to identify when to do it. As in my opening story, this doesn't happen automatically. When people start a conversation from a place of high emotion, our tendency can be to respond in a similarly emotional way. I was lucky that on that occasion, Hannah was in a position to remind me of my role in the conversation that we were about to have. If you decide now that you'll practice empathic listening next time you get an opportunity. And then at some point in the future, you realise that you just missed that opportunity because you didn't spot it in time. Forgive yourself and resolve to look out for your next chance to have a go. If you remain intentional about developing and practising this skill, another opportunity will arise before too long. If you have children in your household, they can be a great source of opportunities to practise. When you do spot the opportunity in time, Congratulate yourself quickly and prepare to give the person psychological air. Depending on where you are when this happens, it may help first to move to a quieter, more private environment if you can. Remember, your goal is not to solve this person's problem. It is to get to a point where this person feels understood. Feeling understood will have a calming effect that will help them return as quickly as possible to a less emotional, more rational state from which they can begin to plot their own course forward. You want to create a space for them to share their thoughts and feelings and for you to demonstrate that you understand to the extent that they genuinely feel understood. And you want to demonstrate you understand efficiently and with as light a touch as possible. You don't want to be getting in their way or derailing the process of them returning to a calmer state. Sometimes people say, But won't it help them to feel understood if I share an example of something similar that happened to me as a way of proving that I know how they feel? The short answer is that input is much more likely to derail their thinking and reduce their feeling of being understood. If you find yourself disagreeing with that statement, 
see how you feel about it next time someone does it to you. Instead of responding from your autobiography, focus your attention on them. Turn your body towards them as though they're the only thing of interest in the room. If there are screens or mobile phones present, discreetly move them out of the way. If you're in the same room or on a video call and it's acceptable in your culture, maintain eye contact. If this happens on an audio call, make sure you stop doing anything else and focus all your attention on listening. Again, people will ask, isn't it a bit weird or intimidating if I maintain eye contact? Shouldn't I look away from time to time? My answer is no. You maintain eye contact and let them look away. They will look away as they search for the words to express their feelings. And when they want to check, maybe subconsciously, that you're still there for them and still listening, they'll look back, possibly only for a split second. And if you've maintained eye contact, or more accurately, remained focused on their face, their eyes will find yours and they'll realise that you're still listening and will be encouraged to continue expressing themselves. We want them to keep expressing themselves and to unload the thoughts and feelings that they're experiencing, not so that we can help them sort out their issues, but simply to help them unpack what's going through their mind so that they can begin to think straight again. If they say things that you think are inaccurate or exaggerated or for which there's a valid counter-argument, resist the temptation to correct them. That will simply set the process back and may derail it completely. You being fully present, in person or on the end of a phone line, focusing your attention on them, provides the outlet they need to talk. As they talk, they'll also listen to their own words and often notice themselves whether they're strictly accurate or perhaps fueled by emotion. As you listen empathically, without judgment and without interrupting, offering solutions or derailing their train of consciousness... It's like you're holding them carefully in your attention and they'll feel supported and listened to and ideally eventually understood. When that happens, you'll notice them calm down and the resourcefulness and intellect and problem-solving ability that you're used to seeing from them will return. They'll begin to evaluate their situation from a less emotional, more rational and balanced perspective and they'll begin to identify for themselves their own best next steps for resolving their situation. They'll start to feel a whole lot better and you'll feel like a magician or sorcerer. If that sounds like an unbelievably optimistic description of how this process works, then let me say that sometimes it really does happen like that. And once you've experienced how powerful it can be, I'm convinced you'll be keen to keep trying that approach. What else might you be thinking that I haven't mentioned? What are some of the frequently asked questions we get when we run this module in our Towards Fulfilling Performance programme? Isn't this a very slow way to get to a solution? You may be thinking, surely it's quicker to just give them the answer. Theoretically, if there was no emotion involved and you knew enough about all the circumstances to know exactly what was right for them, that could be true. In reality, though, when emotions are running high, until you've given them the psychological air of feeling understood, they're not going to be open to any suggestions, however insightful and well-meant they might be. Also, when this approach is done well, you may be amazed by how quickly a person calms down, resolves what to do and is able to start making their first steps towards their own solution. And because they've come up with the solution, it will take account of all the circumstances, some of which you may not be aware of. Additionally, there's no need to sell a solution because it's already their idea and it's far more likely that they'll follow through with it. Another question might be, what do you mean by not interrupting? Do I sit in silence? And my answer would be, you may be surprised how little your role in this process requires you to say. We've talked about paradigms before. 
Practice this approach with the paradigm in mind that you are not needed for any words or ideas you might add. Your role is to act as the receiver or listener. Your presence provides the catalyst for the person you're listening to to talk. By all means, ask for clarification of certain points if you really need to. But keep in mind that you don't need to understand all of the details as you're not going to be required to solve the problem. What if they dry up or stop talking and I don't think they're done? First of all, wait. Your body language should be silently communicating to them that you're still receiving and seeking to understand and that you're there to support them without judgment. Let them take a moment and see what bubbles up next. They may just be taking time to think as they transition between topics or layers of their thoughts and feelings. We often feel uncomfortable sitting in silence. Learn to tolerate the discomfort. Notice it. Congratulate yourself on holding the silence and not breaking it. And if you feel that a few words from you will help to keep them talking, you can use a technique called echoing, where you repeat the last few words they said. For example, if they said, they said we can't afford to do it, you might just say, can't afford to do it, without adding any emphasis or tone. Very often, this will be all it takes for them to start talking again, and you won't have knocked them off course. If you do that, and it seems they really have said all they want to say, you might offer a short summary of what they have said, not what you think about it, still without any judgment or emphasis. This will demonstrate that you have been listening. It will help to clarify what you've understood. It will allow them to take a fresh look at the thoughts and feelings that you've helped them to unpack. And it will identify if you or they have missed anything or you have misunderstood anything they've shared. Those are some of the questions we get. If you have other questions, please do feel free to reach out to me. If you want to do more reading around the topic of listening, I can recommend The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Habit five is seek first to understand and then to be understood. And it includes the practice of empathic listening. Never Split the Difference by Chris Foss contains some fascinating insights on listening from the perspective of an FBI hostage negotiator. The techniques he describes have been tried and tested in the highest stakes environments. You've been listening to Career View Mirror with me, Andy Follows. It strikes me that listening is like the quiet sibling or twin of speaking. A speaker needs a listener for their speaking to have any purpose. Without you, this podcast would be pointless. As I record this episode, literally no one is listening. But I have you in mind as I say these words and I'm speaking them for you. You give this exercise of sharing my experience and thoughts on listening its purpose. Thank you. If you enjoy listening to our episodes, please could you do me a huge favour and share them with someone you lead parent or mentor or a friend you think will also appreciate them. Thank you to our sponsors for this episode, Ask Consulting and Aquali, and thank you to the Careerview Mirror team, without whom we wouldn't be able to share our guest life and career stories. And above all, thank you to you for listening. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hardworking you are, you're never going to be able to do it on your own. It's just not possible. You know, at the end of the day, you're steering your own destiny. So if it's not happening for you, and you're not seeing what you want out there, then go out there and connect. Don't rely on others. You you have to do it yourself. You have to take control. 
if you've got an idea, if you've got a thought about something that might be successful, if you've got a passion to do something yourself, but you just haven't quite got there, do it. Take a risk, take a chance, stick your neck out. What's the worst that can happen? You fall down, okay, you pick yourself up and you try again. 